Welcome to Let's Talk Sales, a go-to podcast for anyone who's interested in growing sales. Let's Talk Sales is brought to you by the Criteria for Success Sales Growth Program. Have you tried sales training in the past but were unable to make it stick? Are you looking to experience a breakthrough? The Criteria for Success Sales Growth Program is a year-long engagement that combines sales and leadership training, a digital sales playbook, and a coaching and accountability process that will change your sales culture and drive sustained growth. Learn more at criteriaforsuccess.com. Today's podcast is part of our CFS Talk Sales series, where our team here at Criteria for Success shares sales ideas, techniques, tips, and insights for our listeners. This series is all about growth, improvement, and producing breakthrough results. This is Laura Marchoff, and today I'm talking to our Marketing and Innovation Manager, Ariana Miskell, and Operations Officer and Senior Advisor, Elizabeth Frederick. Thank you both for being here today. Thanks so much for having us, Laura. Thank you, and I just want to congratulate Laura on starting full-time with the team at CFS. We're all very happy to have her back. She is now our Marketing and Sales Coordinator, and she's already doing a fantastic job. Yes, she started as an intern and uh, just graduated from Rutgers with honors, and we are really excited to have her on our team. Thank you so much, guys. Ariana and Elizabeth just published a new resource called The Ultimate Guide to Storytelling. It's an incredibly robust resource that includes processes and templates for everything from the structure of a good story to creating success stories in your sales playbook. For everyone listening, be sure to grab a copy. You can find a link to it in the show notes for today at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 159. So let's jump in, guys. What inspired you two to put together this resource? I'm going to let Ariana start off. Awesome. So I think what inspired us to write about storytelling was that it synced up so perfectly with another topic that we love here at Criteria for Success, which is problem solving. Absolutely. And one of my favorite tools here is actually the problem opportunity matrix, which I don't want to get too into it now because we're going to be talking about it later in the show, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, But we devoted a couple chapters to that. And basically, storytelling is just such an integral part of the sales process. And we realized that we didn't really have too much to say about it on our website and our blogs. We figured, why not? Basically. (laughs) Definitely. And I'll speak to it um, just as somebody who does a lot of work with our clients. It's something that we notice that almost all of our clients say they need to do more storytelling. They want their teams to be better at storytelling. They want people to understand the value of storytelling. They want to know what stories to tell. Mm -hmm. And it's just a big pain point we see for a lot of sales organizations that I think most people have come to recognize in the last few years. It seems really basic, but honestly, people didn't necessarily all know and agree um, until I would say a few years ago how critically important storytelling was within the context of sales. People thought it was kind of a nice to have um, and didn't realize that it is the foundational way 
that people buy and that people engage and communicate absolutely and so when it comes to you know our work to help people improve their sales to help enable buying and um, make it so people can be more successful in communicating the value of their offerings the best way to do that is through stories and so we really wanted to help our, our listeners our salespeople, our sales managers figure out how do you really um, effectively communicate through stories definitely so why is storytelling such a game-changing tool? Why should salespeople implement storytelling in their sales process in the first place? So I'm going to start with the cliche, features tell and stories sell. And it's so important to understand that people emotionally connect to stories And the way people buy right now, they're learning about your features and benefits, likely from the research that they're doing online. They don't need you to tell them the specs, and they don't really care about the specs. They want to understand how your offering fits in. And so I'm going to kind of go back to the first question a little bit, because storytelling actually makes up for 65% of our daily conversations. That's amazing. So these are just regular conversations that we have in the office uh, with your family, friends, whoever else. Uh, you, you communicate through stories. It's just so natural for humans. We've been doing it since people were drawing hieroglyph- hieroglyphics on cave walls. Yeah, even before that, around campfires yeah. wearing, I don't know, fur loincloths or something. Right, to, you know, Shakespeare and to now when we're writing digital ebooks that you guys get to read from the comfort of your desk. But I think storytelling is also game-changing because people today want to buy from companies that have missions and values that they Mm -hmm. align with and telling stories makes providing that message a lot easier for salespeople um you think about even people buying water bottles the new rage right now are those water bottles that have they're made out of like cartons they look like milk Mm -hmm. cartons but they're not milk cartons they have aluminum Mm -hmm. inside to keep them fresh or whatnot i don't know the technology behind Mm -hmm. these water bottles but the new rage (laughs) magic You know, people don't want to buy plastic water bottles because they don't like that it's uh, single-use plastic, it's bad for the environment, and they want to get behind a company, even though it costs more, Mm -hmm. that is doing something good. My renter's insurance, we should get so much ad money from the companies (laughs) that we talk about on this podcast. But the renter's insurance I use, I actually bought it because when you go through the process of using their service for renter's insurance... They let you pick a charity to that all of the unused claim money gets sent to at the end. Oh, of the that's year. awesome! So you know it's and they give you little stories and it's not something that really changes the service. It just makes me feel better and stories make our prospects feel better and that's why it's so important. Yeah, I love that the story doesn't have to be a story necessarily about how your product works or your service works. The story of why your business exists, the story of why you work at a company. Um, There's a lot of big stories around things that maybe if your offering is a little dry, like renter's insurance, certainly you could tell terrifying stories, right? (laughs) Somebody didn't have renter's insurance and there was a fire and they lost all their stuff. Well, I'm leaving (laughs) out the fact that the reason I finally got renter's insurance was because a friend of mine had a fire and lost everything. Everybody I know, that's about why. So I was like, okay, I guess I got to do this. (laughs) Yep, definitely. That's very, very interesting. And in chapter three, I noticed that you guys discussed the structure of an effective sales story. So could you outline the most important components of a winning sales story? So 
I guess I will start this off since this is one of the chapters that I wrote. But basically, I kind of wanted to align the idea that a sales story must have a structure. And while it's not as in-depth as the structure of a drama or a tragedy or whatever, when you Google story structure... You don't need to write War and Peace. Yes, when you Google story structure online, it's talking about novels for the most part. But it's still important to have a structure because otherwise you're rambling. Mm -hmm. And we all know those people who just can't seem to get to the end of their Mm. story. And you on the other side spend most of your time waiting for it to end instead of actually listening. So... We wanted to provide a simplified structure that aligns with what we were taught in school because this way we all can kind of relate to it. So it's nothing too complicated. It's, so we used Freytag's pyramid, which is based off of Aristotle's uh, plot structure for his tragedies and converted it into a simplified way, you know, one to two sec- sentences per section. So a sentence for your introduction, a sentence for rising action, for climax, for falling action, and then the conclusion where you wrap it all up. So that was the general thought for chapter three. Definitely. And um, that was a really excellent kind of in-depth outline for how to think about stories. If you want to break down a really simple structure for a sales story, you can kind of smush them into about three pieces. Mm -hmm. You combine the introduction and rising action. You start with a problem. Context and set a problem, right? So we had a client with a system just like yours, and they were experiencing slow uh, order processing, whatever it is. I I probably should have decided what story I was going to tell, right? And then the climax can be, so what was your solution? What did you provide? So we Mm -hmm. implemented our super-powered technology. And then the following action and conclusion are, what were the findings, Mm -hmm. right? What were the results? And their order processing time went from 48 hours to two minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's all about um, understanding that you need to include all five of those elements. You've got to kind of build in, tell a, tell a coherent story where you're indicating challenges and difficulties and results, um, and then coming out of it. But when it's within a sales context, sometimes you smush it into kind of three. And I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself, but it's also extremely important to know your your uh, what the problems you're solving for your prospects. Definitely. In this part. So. Half of the ebook is storytelling and half of the ebook is about problem solving because mm-hmm. if you don't know what the problems that you are solving are, you can't tell a story that's relevant. Definitely. So um, we have a tool that we're going to talk about again. I'm so excited. I keep bringing it up. But you're going to have to li- wait and listen. <laughs> the problem opportunity matrix is the greatest thing I think that we do with our clients and on our own team. But it's really, really important to know the problems because... Great. The great story is actually the authors usually come up with the endings first and then they build out the rest. I think Game of Thrones was written that way and Harry Potter 100% that series, J.K. Rowling came up with the ending mm-hmm. and then wrote the series based off of the ending. Yeah, you'll find um, when authors don't have the ending in mind, that's when things get really rambly and awful and they can't figure out what they're doing. Because if you start in one place and you don't know where you want to end, you're going to just kind of wind. I'm making gestures in the air. It's totally not helpful for our (laughs) listeners. But if you start and you know where you want to go, you might divert a little bit, but you're still going to be moving in the general direction you want to go. And that's really critically important when it comes to sales. When you think about it in a sales conversation, whether you're on the phone with a prospect or meeting with them in person, 
they don't want to sit there for an hour while you ramble around to tell a story. No. Even, I'm exaggerating, you can't tell a story that takes five minutes. No. Honestly, your stories need to be able to be told in two to three minutes max, Mm -hmm. maybe even shorter. And so you need to know exactly what you want to communicate. Have that end in mind. Be tied clearly to a problem you solve so that you have more time to listen to your prospect and you're not the one doing most of the talking because you're telling all kinds of long stories. And one of my favorite parts of the ebook, we talk about the cognitive cognitive functions that come about from engaging in storytelling in sales. And it's pretty cool. So if we talked about this in the training episode, but for those of you who haven't listened to that, I highly recommend it and we'll put it in the show notes. But when you tell a story, it engages parts of the brain that make the person listening feel like they're in it, but they also want to tell a story to relate to you. I don't know what it is. It's just this thing that happens where if I tell a story to Elizabeth, she'll be like, oh yeah, one time the same thing happened to me or something similar happened. And that's just another way to get information out of your prospects and you're building relationships. And it's not so question and answer, boring, robotic sales conversation. It's actually engaging. Definitely. Um, You think about, uh, as Ariana has said, Uh, earlier in the podcast, 65% of our conversations are storytelling. Mm -hmm. And if you just look back on the last five people you talked to today, right? Everybody who's listening, think about the stories that you tell. Now, not always, let's say you're checking out um, at a restaurant or something that you're paying for your Mm -hmm. food or you're going to a store. Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) Sometimes people do. My mom does that. Um, (laughs) But if you you were talking to a colleague, if you got home from work and you're talking to your your roommate or your spouse or your partner, whoever it happens to be, um, you're telling stories. Mm -hmm. If you're reaching out to a friend to plan your activities for the weekend, you're probably telling some stories when you do that. And it because it's such an essential part of communication, when we pull stories out, conversations can feel stilted. Mm-hmm. And it actually feels a little fake mm-hmm. because you're missing that really essential warm aspect of storytelling that's sprinkled through all of our conversations. And so if you're trying to have a business meeting and you're kind of, I'm not telling any stories, I'm being super, you know, I'm lining up with my agenda, it's actually off-putting and weird mm-hmm. because you're missing that thing that shows up in every other conversation it's like we the have. the human side of sales. And Definitely. Selling. The humanity of sales. Well, and it's, storytelling. it's what salespeople add, right? Mm-hmm. Certainly, you tell stories on your website, and you tell stories in the marketing that you do, and maybe advertising and PR that you do, videos that you play. But where stories really come to life is when a person is telling a story. Mm-hmm. And ideally, when that story is interactive, And like Ariana was saying, when that story is tied specifically to the problems you have. So if I want to buy something, certainly I'm going to go on your website. Um, I'm going to do all the research that I can. But if I can talk to somebody who has a story about somebody like me Mm -hmm. that bought that service, I'm going to ask some questions. I'm going to say, you know, but but I have this concern. How did they deal with that? Or how did you deal Mm -hmm. with that if I'm talking to the person who experienced it? And that's incredibly um, powerful for me in terms of feeling confident about my buying decision. Right. Because... You know, there's a lot of information that's available online, but everybody says their product is the greatest and it works. And if I'm talking to somebody and they're telling me the story of how it works, I can trust that a little bit more than just the information that's available. Definitely. And you can even think about it like online reviews. I don't know about you guys, but when I buy something on Amazon, the first thing I look at are the reviews, right? And if the reviews are generally all four to five stars, great. I even read them. Like that's how they're there. I read them. I have some bad news for you. 
those reviews are mostly fake. Right. <laughs> even, I know even because, that it helps. Even there's like the Yelp wars where yep. people hire people $5 a review to tank a competitor company near you. Yeah. But even then we need to review, you know, you review what you can because you're looking for the real stories when people are posting pictures right. in their reviews. Right. And you get the real idea and it's, they're like mini stories, good or bad. Um, the short ones, you probably read more, the more concise ones, the longer ones, you know, maybe not, or just skim <laughs> it. But any story helps us to make a buying decision, even if it's a fake Amazon review. Yeah, even you think about it. Um, I buy clothes online sometimes. And that's a little a bit of a dicey proposition. You know, you want to make sure something fits. So you scroll down. If you're on Zappos, and you're looking at shoes, you can see a bunch of people are saying these fit a little tightly go half yep. a size up. That's good to know. They have great review return policies, but mm -hmm. still, I'd rather get the right size in the first place. When you go, um, you know, I, I buy a lot of dresses. So dress shopping online, there will be comments. People are saying, you know, I have this certain body type, and this dress didn't seem to work very well for me. It billowed kind of strangely at my waist. I'm like, I have that same body type. Maybe that dress wouldn't work mm -hmm. for me. And so you can really use those those reviews and those that stories to help you decide about your buying choices and going even further into that it's the difference between how our brain processes data and numbers versus stories so in the same that review told you oh i'm this many feet and inches tall mm -hmm. usually it's like but they give you your body type at least for women's websites yeah um like athletic or whatever else curvy, curvy or whatever else it is and they give you an age range which mm -hmm. helps to some degree i guess um, but then they also give you the numbers of like a size small, whatever the model's wearing. Mm -hmm. And it's like the skirt, the skirt is this long, the arms are this long, and the waist is this wide. And guess what? I don't look like that model. <laughs> but not even that. Even if it's like a size chart with every single size in inches, it means nothing to me. Yeah. Are you literally going to break out a measuring tape? It means absolutely nothing to me. And the reviews that are like mini stories are what makes me buy something. Yeah. Definitely. But, so incredibly, incredibly powerful. Yeah. Even even the fake reviews are maybe helpful. But no, I read, I listened to a great podcast that was telling all about how they do the Amazon reviews and they hire companies. Um, their whole company is like in developing countries where they'll just get people to leave review, review, review. Um, they especially do it for like the little cheap products. So for the, the big stuff that you're buying, maybe not. One time I was like looking for an internship years ago and I was on Craigslist looking at all the gigs <laughs> and these people were paying five dollars to post a review on TripAdvisor and uh -huh. it was restaurants they were paying for people uh -huh. to post reviews about them good reviews yeah and they would send you pictures and stuff so take stories with a little bit of a grain of salt but still they're helpful <laughs> still helpful <laughs> I think despite that though we're pretty much sold on the use and effectiveness of storytelling in business but for some of us the skill of storytelling might not be second nature so could you talk a little bit about how it works in sales and how our listeners can implement storytelling in their sales process? Definitely. So first of all, I think it's important for people to understand what are the situations that stories make the most sense, right? You can't necessarily come in right away and start telling big stories. But you might come in at the very beginning of a meeting and say, let me tell you the story of our company and why we do what we do. Um, if you have a compelling story, that can work. So contextual stories can be helpful. Um, you might, especially if you're, if you're selling a product or a service 
that is relatively new in the market. It's a new thing that people didn't know about. They don't know that they might need it, right? You think a few years ago, we didn't know we needed smartphones and now we're addicted to them, right? Mm -hmm. So if somebody was coming to you and they were just like, do you want to buy this? It does these things. That doesn't help. But if they set the context for why you might need something, you're like, oh, I never really thought about that. And so you, you can set those big picture stories at the beginning of a sales conversation. You might... Um, also find that you're asking a lot of questions and people are talking about problems and, and difficulties that they're having in their organization. Mm -hmm. You're trying to figure out what's going wrong. That's a difficult and awkward conversation to have if somebody just feels like I'm telling you all my bad things. I'm telling you why things aren't going so well. And so if you sprinkle some small stories in there of, oh, we had a client just like yours. They had that exact same problem. We see that all the time. Mm -hmm. Then it, it makes you feel, okay, we're not the worst, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so Little mini stories can be helpful there, but where, where stories really come to life is when you're using stories to communicate about your solution. So instead of saying we have something and it's five feet, four inches tall and it weighs 320 pounds and it fits right into here, um, people's eyes are going to glaze over. <laughs> They're not going to find that compelling. But instead, if you say, you know, um, we, we have a lot of clients who find that this fits really well in this sort of a space and we actually found that it's a great place to set your printers on top of it, whatever it might be. You can talk about the dry things in a way that's a little bit more compelling. Even better is when you say, you know, for companies like yours, I'm going to think back, we've, we have about three or four different customers in a very similar situation to you. And the most common thing that they were experiencing before they worked with us was this, they typically go with this different sort of configuration. Do you think that's something that would make sense in your mm -hmm. organization? And then we typically see that they experience these sorts of results. Is that something that you're looking for? And then instead of talking, oh, yes, it is. <gasps> you're buying right now. Would you like to sign? <laughs> I brought a contract right with me. Um, and so you can have those, those conversations to communicate about your solution in a way that's, first of all, interactive, mm -hmm. but also a little more compelling than just like facts and figures. Yeah, definitely. And even on a more basic level, for those of you that might not have any stories made in your business, you're, you're a salesperson and you're a sales manager. No one tells stories. You've never been told to tell stories. Uh, maybe you've tried in the past, but you don't have anything that's like a given great sales story that you feel super confident about. I think the first step is to schedule meetings, ask for help, ask for training on this. Um, I think that to get everyone on the same page, you know, just bring it up with your manager or bring it up with your team and get them making stories. Yeah. If you can ask people, you know, if you get your sales team on a call or if possible in the same room together and say, okay, everybody, I want you to share your number one go-to story. And I hear from Ariana, oh, that's a great story. I didn't know that story. I could tell that story. Mm -hmm. I hear from Laura, oh, that's another great story. I hear from somebody else on the team. And suddenly I've got as many stories as there are people on the team. That's an incredibly powerful um, thing to have available. Because a lot of times what we see, and in a minute we're going to talk about how you, um, how you capture all this. But a lot of times we see, I only tell stories about deals I closed mm -hmm. and things I worked on. Well, that really limits the number of stories I have access to. And if somebody brand new starts, they don't have any stories because they haven't closed any deals yet. And so if we can pull the success stories out of everybody's heads, stories belong to the organization, not the person. And you'll find that there are a lot of stories that even a brand new person can tell. You know, we have a client that did this. You don't have to be the one who had mm -hmm. that client. That is 
definitely leading us into what I believe we are talking about next. It is. Yes, dun, it dun, dun. is. So last question. What is one thing our listeners should include in their sales playbooks that'll encourage storytelling? I'm stealing Ariana's thunder. It's a problem opportunity matrix. Yes, it is. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> that is my favorite tool in our playbook and in all of our clients playbook because not only is it useful for sales and storytelling and everything else I can use it for my marketing initiatives I can use it just to tell people what we do at our company and how great we are um, but I'll let, use it to maybe explain to your parents what exactly yeah, it is that your job is <laughs> I'll let Elizabeth get into the details of it because she's the master well thank you Ariana um, when we work with our clients in building out their sales playbooks we discovered if we just tell them what to put in their playbooks, they typically don't do a great job. They don't know exactly what should go in there, right? And so we provide a lot of consultation, a lot of guidance and support. And the first and most central tool in your playbook is called the problem opportunity matrix. And it's called that because problems that prospects have are opportunities for you. Yes. And so a problem opportunity matrix ties your offering, that's the opportunity side, with the specific problems that it solves. Because a lot of times what we do is we go out to the market and we talk about our features and people don't care about those features. Mm -hmm. But we don't talk about something that they really, really care about. And the feature doesn't even have to be something amazing about the product itself. Your feature might be we have 24-hour guaranteed delivery and we process returns immediately and we're not going to make you jump through hoops. You might have maybe not the best, best, best product, mm -hmm. but if you give me excellent service, I might think, you know what, I'd rather have that product with the excellent service than something a little better that's going to be a nightmare if anything goes wrong. So you want to think about what is it that people care about? What are the problems that they have that we solve for them? And then figure out what parts of your offering match up with that. And it's a matrix because it's organized into a grid. And so you're taking the four behaviors of consultative selling. Asking questions. The questions should expose problems. You should provide solutions to those problems. And you should tell stories about those solutions. And so you take all four of those key things and put it together into a matrix. So you know, if I ask this question, it will expose this problem, which we solve with this solution, and to make it superpower, make it even better, say rather than talk about the solution, what's a story right? that tells it? And so if you download the ebook, which yes. you will find in the notes for today's show, you'll be able to see how to lay that out. Um, and it's so incredibly important to fill out all of those parts of the problem opportunity matrix. Half of the exercise is training your brain to think in this way. It's really hard, actually. It is. It's when not natural. We do it um, every once in a while internally because mm -hmm. we like to practice what we preach. And we always are like, nope, nope, you're not saying it the right way. Like, your, your, your benefit or your feature isn't actually a feature. It's a benefit. And it's all backwards and jumbled. And it really shows how it's hard to be very accurate when you're going through these processes. And so having the matrix in front of you mm -hmm. makes it so clear. Definitely. You need to be really rigorous. Mm -hmm. And spending the time up front to build out a tool like this pays off in so many ways long term. Mm -hmm. Ariana can talk a little bit about how it translates into marketing. Yeah, so I use the problem opportunity matrix in marketing specifically because... 
I want all of my marketing content to speak to the problems we solve. Because we practice inbound marketing, people are searching for solutions on Google when mm -hmm. they end up on our blog. Maybe they found this podcast episode. Hello, Hi guys. that's the case. <laughs> um, but regardless, the the common problems that we solve guide my marketing efforts, just like they guide sales efforts. Definitely. You think about, um, everybody listening, think about the last few things you searched for online. You can even go in and look at your search history. Um, it might be a little creepy. Apologies if it is. But a lot of times what we Google is the problem. Or we'll search. I, I keep using the word Google. Maybe you Bing. Um, but you search, uh, you know, how to solve X problem. And so if your marketing is all about our product, our values, our solution, our solution, our solution, people aren't going to land on your page if they're searching about their problem. So you need literally in the words on your website mm -hmm. to be using the same words describing the problem that your prospects use because that's how they'll find you. And one of, one of my favorite parts of client engagements is when we come up with the common problems list, mm -hmm. like sales trainings and stuff, and people, they're listing off common problems that they think are problems. And they're never problems, and they're, they're solutions. they're problems, they're always solutions. Yeah, Always. people have been trained, and we're talking about problem solving all throughout the month of June. People have been trained not to talk about negative things, mm -hmm. especially in sales. People think, I need to be positive. I need to always talk about our solution and the value that we add. <laughs> people don't care about that. They care about the problems they have. And if you, if you can talk in that same language that they have about their problems and how you solve those problems, you're tying your solution to their problem and they're taking ownership of it. They get it. It's immediately applicable to them. As opposed to if you're just talking all the way up in the sky about we have this solution that does these great things. So and what? I'm down here with my problem. I'm like, I, I have to do the work to figure out how does that solution fit in mm -hmm. with my problem? How does it work? It's really confusing. If I give you the map and I say, we solve this problem and this is how. I'm like, oh, you did the work for me. Okay, yep. let me sign on the dotted line. <laughs> let me close the deal. Definitely. So problem opportunity matrix, you absolutely, absolutely need that in your playbook. I would love to continue this conversation about the importance of storytelling. And there's so much more that is included in your ebook, but the clock is telling us it's time to wind down. So if you'd like to learn more, please download a copy. The ebook can be found again in the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 159. Thanks so much for listening to Let's Talk Sales. Stay tuned for Friday's inspiration, where I'll share an inspirational quote from Susan Delgado. And tune in next week when Elizabeth will be talking to Matt Hines, the CEO of Hines Marketing. Absolutely. I just recorded that interview yesterday, and you guys will love hearing from Matt Hines. He also hosts a podcast called Sales Pipeline Radio, so we yeah. might have some listener crossover there. Absolutely. All month, we're writing about problem solving on the CFS blog, so check that out at criteriaforsuccess.com slash blog. If you're enjoying the show, please recommend us to a friend and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. While you're there, please leave us a rating or a review. This helps more people find the show and lets us know what's working and where to improve. And remember, you can follow us on Twitter at Let's Talk Sales. Let's underscore talk underscore sales. <laughs> Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success and is produced by Ariana Misko, Elizabeth Frederick, and me, Laura Marchand. Happy selling! <laughs>